What is going on, Coastal? How you guys doing this morning? You guys doing well? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, we're so glad that you're starting your new year off right and joining us for church. Can we go ahead and welcome all of our family that's watching with us online? Come on, let's give it up for them. We love you guys. We miss you guys. It was so good to see so many of you on Christmas Eve at our outdoor Christmas Eve service that turned into a rain party, but whatever. It was, it was great, man. It was a, it was a great day. Um, but I am excited. We're beginning a brand new series today called The Power of One. Before I dive into that, I told you guys at the end of last year, the, the last message I spoke that uh, in January, I would give you an update on your generosity in the month of November and December towards our, our legacy offering that we do every year at the end of the year. And I want to let you guys know that this year in November and December, above and beyond your regular giving, you guys gave 809,752 and 62 cents. Incredible, incredible generosity as a church. That's gonna help us move the vision forward faster to uh, start this next um, edition here. In fact, our, our plans are in permitting with the city of Parkland right now. It's also gonna give us the opportunity to go back east to the Pompano uh, Lighthouse Point area and launch a campus over there at the near the fall of next year. And so what is also really cool is that this week in talking with a couple of people, they said, hey, our families hadn't had a chance to give yet. And we wanna let you know that this month, um, basically with their giving, these few families, that, that number of 809,000 is gonna go to over a million dollars. And so, man, it's incredible what God is doing here. Thank you for being such an incredible generous church that wants to make a difference to make it hard for people to go to hell by making it easy for them to go to church so they can experience, so they can know, and so they can follow Jesus because that is what we are all about as a church. And so we're gonna dive into today and we're beginning a brand new series called The Power of One. And on your seat is a worship God that looks like this. If you wouldn't mind taking that out, I wanna encourage you in this new year, I wanna encourage you uh, when you come to church each and every week, man, get don't just come here and sit and listen to a miss message. Participate with that message. We give you message notes every week. And you know, here's what I know is that people that, that actually take notes on a weekly basis, they get a better seat in heaven. I don't actually know that, but I, I like to think that. Uh, but here's what I do know. People that take notes are actually four times more likely to remember the information that was presented to them than those that don't. So just by taking notes, you are actually helping your life get better so you can remember this when you're actually in a difficult situation and you need some of the things that we're gonna preach to you and speak to you throughout this year. And so I wanna encourage you to do that. And I know some of you, you're like, man, I don't feel like doing that. It's too much work. Work. I just want to sit back and enjoy the, the, the service, and that's cool, but here's what you need to know. It is your decisions, not your desires, that determine your destiny. So many of us, we, well, that's not what I want to do. That's a desire. But listen, your decisions, not your desires, are determining your destiny. And, and, and so many people think, well, if I just go throughout life and I think happy thoughts, then my life is going to be happy. Or if I just put out good vibes, whatever the heck that is. I know some of you are like, hey, I'm gonna send you good vibes. No, no, don't send me good vibes. I don't know what a good vibe is. Send me a card, send me a text. I, I know what that is. Like, I'm gonna get good vibes back. No, 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 wrong. 
It's your actions that determine your destiny. It's the steps that you take in life and all of us in life are the result of the decisions that we have made. The position you are in right now in your life is a result of the good and the bad decisions that you have made up to this point in your life. And since we're talking about good and bad decisions, I thought I would share with you some of the good decisions I've made and some of the bad decisions that I have made in life. Let me show you one of the good decisions that I made. This was a, a little over 21 years ago. This was my wedding day. Look at how young Shayla and I are there. She has not aged one bit, and I've lost all of my hair. I don't know what the deal is. Uh, but, but this was a good decision I made. But how many of y'all know that this was the best decision that Shayla ever made? Y'all are hating on me on that. I thought that that was a 100% true statement. Well, let me, let, me, let me show you a bad decision I made. This was on my 30th birthday party. This is me. It's the worst Elvis impersonation ever uh, I've got. Yeah, let's, let's just move on. Can we all agree that was a bad decision right there? That's me at about 260 pounds with, with hair. If you all want to know what hair looked like on me, there it is. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, this was a good decision that I made. Uh, this was 11 years, a little over 11 years ago. This was the very first service ever of Coastal Community Church. We, my wife and I, we moved here from the Sarasota Bradenton area with a dream to plant a church that would reach families and communities and make a difference. And this was the first service we ever had. Not a lot of technology on that stage, not a lot of uh, lights and all that. A lot has changed in 11 years, uh, but it was one of the greatest decisions. You are a byproduct of that decision. Everybody that was here on Saturday night is a byproduct of that decision. Everybody that's watching online right now is a byproduct of that decision 11 years ago to do that. Now, let me show you a bad decision that I made. It was right here. I decided I was gonna do a series called Grow a Pair, uh, which was a great thought in my mind, bad in execution. How many of y'all know Grow a Pair for a series is probably not a good name? We got a ton of bad press. It was not a good decision. Some people that were here during that time actually remember that. Uh, there was, it was great intent. We'll just go ahead and move off from that slide now. Uh, but... I show you those to say that we all make some good decisions and we all make some bad decisions, but here's what I believe for every single one of your lives. You are one decision away from a totally different life. You're one decision away from a totally different marriage. You're one decision away from a totally different career. You're one decision away from a totally different relationship with God. You are one decision away from totally transforming your life in a really, really good life way. And, and I believe that that one decision, and we're gonna talk about the power of one in this series, the, some of the decisions that you can make this year that will not only change the trajectory of your life for this year, but I believe it will change the trajectory of your life for the rest of your life. And we're gonna be looking at a story out of John chapter two today. It's a story where Jesus is in this little town of Cana and he is attending a wedding. And I believe that the one decision that is made in this story is a life-defining decision for my life. And I believe it can be a life-defining decision for your life as well. And so I wanna show you that one decision, John chapter two, starting in verse one. It says, the next day there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. Now, how many of y'all know that if Jesus shows up to your wedding, like you, a big deal? 
Like Jesus shows up, his boys show up, his mama's there. I mean, you are a big deal. In fact, scholars believe that the wedding that was actually being referred to in this story is actually John, the author of this book's wedding. And so Jesus is there with his family and it says the next day, some other versions refer to it as the third day because you have to understand the context of a Jewish wedding. A Jewish wedding was not like a single evening like our wedding's on because we just want to get married and get on to business, right? Like we wanna, like let's do that ceremony and let's do that party and let's get out of here because we got some stuff to do. Well, in a Jewish wedding, if you don't know what that stuff is, get married. Okay. Uh, in a Jewish wedding, it wasn't just a singular evening. It was seven days. And so here they are, they're in the third day and they've got an issue going on. And this was the issue. It says the wine supply ran out during the festivities. Now, this is an issue. Like, this is a dilemma. This is a scandal. For some of you, this would be a problem right here. You're like, Jesus, we need a miracle right now. The wine is gone. But not only is this a problem, if for the family that is throwing this ceremony, this would have been something that was unfathomable and unthinkable. It would have been an embarrassment to them. It would have meant one of two things. It would have meant, number one, that they, they did not plan properly for this ceremony, or it meant, number two, some people got a little tipsy at this wedding. You know what I'm saying? And so it says, so Jesus' mother told him, they have no more wine. Now, ladies, and, and, and maybe this is just my wife whom I, I love dearly. Babe, you are amazing. You are my favorite uh, wife ever. And because uh, <laughs> you're the only one I have, I don't know why I'm my favorite ever. Uh, but, but women have a tendency to talk in code. Can it, guys, you know what I'm talking about. Women have a tendency to talk in code. And, and, and let me give you an example. My, I'll come home. I'll sit down on the couch. I will take off my shoes and put them next to the couch. My wife will walk in and she will look at me and she will go, are those your shoes? <laughs> and let me just say, if those are not my shoes, we've got a bigger issue in our house, if somebody else has, has some ten and a half shoes that are not on right there, we got issues. It, but she's not really asking if those are my shoes, is she? She's, she's, she's insinuating something in that moment. She's insinuating, get up off the couch, pick up your shoes and put those jokers away, right? But that isn't what she said. She said, are those your shoes? Why? Because she's talking in code. Mary right here is talking in code to Jesus. And she's like, hey, Jesus, they have no more wine. And look at how Jesus replies. He replies, dear woman. Now, I would just suggest to you, nobody refer to their mother as a woman unless your name is Jesus, okay? It's just not a good idea. And so he says, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. In other words, it's not my time to do miracles. I'm here to attend a wedding. I'm here to relax. I'm here to have some fun. But his mother told the servants in verse five, do whatever he tells you. Standing nearby, there were six water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could fill 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. And when, he told, and when the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions, and when the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though, of course, the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then when everyone has had a lot to drink, 
He brings out the less expensive wine, but you have kept the best until now. And the Bible continues on to say that this was Jesus's first miracle. But inside of this story, there is a principle, there is a decision that is made that I believe that this year, if we would make this one decision, it would change everything in our lives. And it's found in verse five. Let's go back to verse five. It says, but his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. And here is, here is the big idea for today. Whatever God says to you, do it. If you would just make this decision this year that whatever God says to you, you are gonna do it. There is something about a person that says, man, I don't care what everybody else is saying. I don't care if it makes sense. I don't care if it's reasonable. I don't care if, if it's fathomable or practical. I'm gonna do whatever God tells me to do. It doesn't matter my circumstances. It doesn't matter what's going to happen. I've lost my right to do things my way. I'm gonna do them God's way. And so whatever God says to me, me, I am going to do it. Wherever he tells me to go, I'm going to go. Wherever he tells me to give to, I'm going to give. Whatever he tells me to talk to, I'm going to talk to that person. Whoever he, he tells me to invite to church, I'm going to invite that person to church. Whatever business he tells me to step out and start, man, I'm going to step out in a leap of faith and start that business. My life is going to be different than the rest of this world because I've made a decision that whatever Jesus tells me to do, I am going Going to do it. And let me just tell you something. It does not have to make sense for it to be God. It's part of our problem today because we're waiting for the practical, we're waiting for the sensible. We're waiting for, for when it all kind of comes together. We're like, when it all comes together, Jesus, then I will obey you. And that isn't how God works. In fact, if you were to look throughout scripture, almost every miracle that was performed throughout scripture, God went to somebody and told them to do the impractical and the impossible. In fact, most people looked at what he, God asked them to do and they're like, that is just dumb and ludicrous. Like, think about this. Noah, here's what I want you to do. I want you to build a cruise ship for animals. Because it's going to flood. What's a flood? Oh, uh, well, there's gonna be water fl flowing from the sky. What's water flowing from? The They've never seen any of those things, right? It made no sense whatsoever. Moses, here's what's gonna happen. A bush is gonna catch on fire and is gonna start talking to you and telling you how to deliver people. Okay, God, <laughs> right? So I know we shouldn't do drug references, but I, like you gotta think in that moment, Moses like, God, you're on crack. Elijah, here's how you're going to be fed out in the desert. I'm gonna send ravens with food. God, ra ravens don't bring people food, but they're gonna bring food for you. Hey, Ezekiel, here's what I want you to do. I want you to lay on your left side for 390 days. What? Can I lay on my right? No, no, no. You're gonna do that next year for about 370. Don't worry, you'll get to that side. How about Hosea? Hey, Hosea, here's what I want you to do. I want you to name your kids not loved and not my people. How many of y'all know that those kids needed some counseling after that? <laughs> 
How about this one? Peter, we got to pay taxes. Here's what I want you to do, Peter. I want you to go down to the docks and I want you to cast a line into the water. And when you pull that fish out that you catch, when you open its mouth, there's going to be money inside there and you're going to take that and you're going to pay taxes. And then Peter goes down, he throws a line into the water, pulls it out, opens the fish's mouth and pulls out a coin out of there. And he goes and pays the taxes. How many of y'all know I would have stayed and kept fishing? I'm like, if these fish got money in them, like I'm getting rich off this deal. None of this makes any sense, but you gotta remember that obedience is always a precursor for a miracle. God could have done all those miracles without any person's involvement. He could have turned the water into wine. He could have delivered a people. He could have provided a money. He could have brought salvation, but he chose to work through broken and lost people. And when we do our part, which is small, God shows up and does his part, which is big. And he can do it in your life today. So how does this happen in our lives? How do we go to this place where we go, God, no matter what you say, God, I'm gonna be obedient to, I'm gonna do it right here, right now. Now, how do we experience that this year in our lives in a profound way? Three things for you today. Number one, if we're gonna experience that, if we're gonna experience God's voice and be obedient to it immediately, number one, what we have to do is we have to get close to God. We have got to get close to God. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I think that every person probably has that one friend in their life. I know that I've got a couple of them, so maybe I'm making up for some of you. How many of you guys have a friend that is like a close talker? Like they don't understand personal space. They, when they have a conversation with you, even in the middle of COVID, they're like right here. Like it's like, hey, I, I like you, but I don't like you that much. But they, no matter what the conversation is, is they are all up in your grill in that moment having that conversation. Some of us have the same friend. And that's why we're laughing. Um, and, uh, but there's, there's these people that get close. And, you know, it's, it's etiquette is at least give me an arm's length, right? Give me an arm's length, preferably three or four feet. But they always, they just get really, really close. In fact, there's a guy in our church. I love him to death. He's one of my favorite people. But every time he has a conversation, he's right here up and in my grill. And he's always got stank coffee breath. I'm like, tic-tac, you know, just like pop it in. Just doesn't work. It's kind of messed up. Uh, I'm sorry if you're watching online. Um, Close talkers. The reason I tell you that is because God is a close talker. God wants to get right up next to you to have a conversation with you. And one of the things that if we wanna hear God's voice and be obedient, we've gotta get close to God. So one of the reasons why we're encouraging you to participate in the 21 days of prayer and fasting that are going on right now, to show up at 6.30 a.m. is so proud, 80 to 100 and something people are showing up here every single day, Monday through Friday from 6.30 to 7.30, praying and seeking God. Why? Because they wanna get close to God. Something about getting close to God that we begin to hear his voice. And if you think about this story, Mary says to the servants that are there, hey, listen to whatever he says, which means that we have to be within proximity and availability of Jesus's voice if we're gonna hear his voice and be obedient to it. And God wants you to get closer today. And God wants to get close to you today. In fact, James chapter four says this. He says, come close to God and God will come close to you. And let me, let me show you this. Where are you guys at? Come here, come here. I've got, I've got some props here. This is, this is Andrea. 
she's the one with the really, really beautiful voice. And this is, this is Alex, he's got really, really great hair. And so, uh, so in this scenario, Alex is gonna play God uh, and, and, and Andrea is, is going to be all of us because here's the deal, all of us, in order to get close to God, we have gotta make a decision. We've gotta make a choice that we are going to take a step to get closer to God. The Bible tells us come close to God, which means we have to take action first and then God will come close to you. And so what happens for a lot of us is, is, is this scenario, if I, then God will. If I read my Bible every day, if I spend some time in prayer, if I go to next steps, if I spend the next 21 days in prayer and fasting, if I, if I will make this choice and that decision for so many of us in that moment is such a monumental and huge decision. That step feels like it's an overwhelming choice. Like it's a step of faith for us because we've never taken that step before. And so, so what happens is, 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 is we're in this place and we're like, man, I wanna know God better. I wanna get close to God. I want God to be a close talker with me, but there's something that I've got to do. And so Andrea, here's what I need you to do. I need you, I need you to take that, bi that big first step for me in life. Go ahead, go ahead and take it. Huge, such a big step and loud as well. Like, it's a big deal when you take that step and it feels so huge to you. But let's be honest, that was a small step, wasn't it? We look at that and go, that's ridiculous. It was, it was such a small step in our perception, but for her, it was monumental. But here's the thing, God does not step the same way that we step. See, when God sees us draw near to him, here's what God does in this moment. God takes a giant step because God's steps are not limited to our steps. And here's what I know is when I intentionally get close to God, he drastically gets close to me. Thank you guys so much for coming up here and do that. And God wants to get drastically close to you in this year. And so will you be intentional in, in doing some things to get close to God this year? And when you get close to God, number two, what you need to do is you need to expect to hear direction from God. It's not just about getting close to God. You gotta go in there with an expectation that God is going to speak to you, that God is going to give some direction to your life. And, and so when you take those moments to get near to God, when you say, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna choose to do daily devotionals. I'm gonna choose to pray every day this year. When I, I, I'm gonna choose to come to church every single week. The goal of those things is not just to check a box off and say, hey, I accomplished those things. It's to go in with this idea that I expect to get some direction from God. I expect to get some direction from my marriage. I expect to get some direction from my career. I expect to get some direction from my parenting. I expect to get some direction from my finances. I expect God to show up in that moment and talk to me. It doesn't matter what everybody else is saying in your life because all you want to do is hear God speak in your life. And I believe this with all of my heart. God will always meet you at your level of expectancy. It's one of the reasons why two people can come to church and have totally different results. One person will come in and they'll worship their heart out. They'll sit down to the message. They'll take out the notes. They'll get on the edge of their seat. They'll lean in. They'll be taking notes. They'll be fully engaged with the message. Another person will walk in. They'll sit there with their coffee and sip it during worship. When the message comes back, they'll lean back and, and they'll be thinking to themselves, man, I can't wait for the football game this afternoon. It's playoffs. And one of those people will walk out and say, that changed and transformed my life. The other will walk out no different. Why? Expectancy. So only difference between the two. 
And this whole idea has changed my entire spiritual life. Every time I seek after God, I'm expecting God to show up. Every time I go into prayer, I'm expecting God to speak to me. Every time I read my Bible, I'm expecting God's word to breathe life to me. Every time I have an expectancy that God is going to speak to me, I'm going to figure it out. In fact, Isaiah chapter 30 says this, your own ears will hear him. See, God is speaking. The question is, is are you listening? God's speaking. So many people ask me, TJ, what what does God sound like? I'll just tell you this, it's louder than any audible voice you'll ever hear. It is this feeling in your gut that you just know beyond a shadow of a doubt. Man, God is doing something right there. God is directing me this way. He's asking me to pray for that person. He's telling me to go apply for that job. He's asking me to help that person out over there. And there's something about that voice and it says, right behind you, a voice will say, this is the way you should go, to the right or to the left. And listen, you need to know that God isn't confused about your situation that you're in right now. God is not confused about your marriage. God is not confused about your parenting situation. God is not confused about your singleness right here in this moment. God is not confused about any situation or any direction that you are in. We just need to start leaning into him in these seasons and going, God, what are you saying to me? And I've just found when I can't figure out what God is saying to me, I wrote it down like this. When I can't hear his voice, I read his voice. Because the Bible is God's voice. And so many of us are waiting for an audible voice when God has spoken on so many things. And so what I do is I get in God's word and I don't just read it to myself, I read it out loud. Why? Because it's God speaking to me. It's his word being manifest in my life. And so many of us, we are looking for we are asking questions to answers that he's already given. He's going, why do, why, do I gotta, why do I gotta go back and tell you that? I've told you that like 10 times in this book. It would be nice if you would just pick it up and listen to my words once again. Like there's a reason we encourage you to get in God's word on a daily basis, to read God's word, to do those devotionals, to do those things because we know that this book will change and transform your life and if you'll get into it because God, when you get into it and you have an expectation, God always shows up and he speaks to us and I'm, I'm expecting direction. When I, you expect direction, get ready because he is speaking way more than you and I are listening. And watch what'll happen, he'll change your life. But number three, what he wants us to do is he wants us to obey immediately and obey fully. Now this is important for us to understand, obey immediately and obey fully. Because if God is gonna speak, he's gonna speak to you with the expectation that you are going to obey immediately and you are going to obey fully. And uh, you know, you think about this story, what, what happens is in this story is there's these huge, huge jugs that are there. And, and Jesus says to the servants, hey, here's what I want you to do. I want you to fill up these jugs that are like 30 gallons each, and there's six of them. How many of y'all know that that's a lot of water? That's like a, 180 gallons of water. And back in the day, they didn't have hoses. So when Jesus says, hey, I need you to fill up these big barrels, you know what that meant for that servant? That meant he had to go get a pitcher, and he had to walk to a well, 
and get water. And I think that this is the essence of Christianity right here. Because what God is gonna ask you to do, you're gonna be like, man, this is so dumb. I cannot believe I'm going to do this. You're gonna go and you're gonna fill up some water. What you're gonna have to do is you're gonna have to walk it back to that pitcher. Pour it in. After you pour it in, you know what you have to do? You have to go back to the well. And the entire time you're thinking, seriously? I mean, like, wasn't, wasn't one enough? And you go back and you pour it in. And you gotta imagine this servant that's at this party. He's going back for the third time and his friends are like, hey, dude, it's a party, man. It's the third day. What are you doing? And he's like, man, I... I I've got to do this. Why? Because when you get an assignment from God, the only response that you have to God is, yes, God, if you say it, I'm going to do it. What does this look like practically for us? It looks like, hey, I've made a decision that I'm going to grow in my relationship with God. And my family and I, every single week, we're going to go to church. So what does that mean? Every week, man, I'm going to go to the well and I'm going to get the water and I'm going to fill it up. Hey, oh man, there's a party today on Sunday? For real? You know what? I've made a commitment to God though. God God wants me to grow with him. So you know what what I'm going to do? If you'll make that party a little bit later, I'll be there. But I've made a commitment that my spiritual life is greater than my personal life. Because if my spiritual life is off, my personal life is going to be jacked up. And I'm gonna do these things consistently, man. I'm gonna make sure that my kids are in Coastal Kids. And every week, you know what we're gonna do is we're gonna grab that big idea sheet and we're gonna go home and we're gonna talk about what our kids are learning and how they're growing in their spiritual walk so I can remind them on a daily basis that that God wants to speak to them and move in their life and transform their life. Why? Because James 1.22 says, don't just listen to God's word, which unfortunately is what so many of us do here at church. We come in here every single week and we listen to a message and you'll walk out and somebody will go, How was, how's the message this week? Oh, it's so good, so good. But you do nothing with it. It's the information in, Out. That's why he says, you must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. And so many of us think, we think, man, I am so spiritual. But what you're doing is you're just rolling in here. You're listening to God's word, speak through God's servant. You're going, oh, that was good. You're walking out and nothing is changing in your life. You know what the Bible would call you? They would call you a fool. Which is basically the worst derogatory term in the Bible. Why? Because we're not just supposed to listen to what Jesus says. We're actually supposed to do what Jesus says. Because the only way you can change your life is to change your life. (laughs) It doesn't happen by, I just wish my life was changed. How many of y'all have wished for a change and everything just transformed? It doesn't work that way. It actually works because you take action You start to obey those things immediately and you obey them fully. And and here's the deal. Jesus doesn't say just just do one or two of these. He actually says, fill this to the brim, which means that you have got to go all the way. So many of us, we, we have halfway Christianity. 
Well, pastor, I, I went to step one of next steps. Well, there's three more. Pastor, I signed up for a cadet group, but you never showed up to one. I'm not trying to hate on you. I'm just giving you a reality check that if you're gonna make a decision that's gonna change and transform your life, whatever Jesus tells you to do, do it means that you've gotta obey immediately and you've gotta obey fully. And it's time for some of us to get our heads out of the sand and allow God to truly change and transform our lives in a way that we have never allowed him to do that before. And I know for my life, my life, it was changed and transformed when I started being obedient immediately and fully. I'll never forget January, 2016. We were in 21 days of prayer and fasting, just like we are right now. And we were a portable church meeting in two locations, one at the Movico in Pompano Beach and one at Monarch High School in Coconut Creek. And, and we were quite a few years into this church and I kept going, God, God, like, man, we just need a permanent home. We need a place that we can call home instead of having all these portable spaces. And, and I was so frustrated. And in the middle, middle of the 21 days of prayer and fasting, one of our trustees sent me a, a, a group of properties. He said, hey, take a look at these. And I looked at everything up to that point. And as I was looking through these things, the last property that I saw was property number 21. And it happened to be this piece of property right here. It's $3.8 million. And in that moment, God spoke to me and said, hey, you're gonna have that property property for $1.2 million. How many of y'all know? I was like, praise the Lord, I'll take it. So what I did is I just sat back and did nothing and just waited for them to come to me with an offer at one point. No. You know what I did is I went out here and I looked at the property. I brought our trustees out here. We prayed about it. We went and we made an offer of $1 million on the property that a realtor said is, you are the dumbest person I've ever met in my life. Like, this is, the mo like, this is an offendable offer right here. And I'm like, I, I, I serve an offendable God. It's okay. And uh, I remember putting that offer in and he said, man, if, if, if you hear from me really fast, that's bad news for you. He calls me a day later. I'm like, that's probably not good news for me calls me back and he says, hey, listen, they got multiple offers, but for some reason they really like you. I'm not really sure why. Uh, and they'll sell you this for, for $1.25 million. I said, cool, that would be great. Can they own or finance as well? I figured, man, if God is the God of the impossible, I'm gonna ask for everything. And uh, he's like, are you kidding me right now? You are getting the deal of lifetime. I said, just go ahead and ask. He asked within, within th like three hours, they called back and said, done deal. Seven acres, less than a quarter of a mile, just sold for $14.5 million. We serve the God of the miraculous. You wanna know why? The miracle's on the other side of our movement. The miracle that you're looking for, you're waiting for God to move and God's like, man, I'm just waiting for you to be obedient immediately and fully. And when you become obedient immediately and fully, then I'm enacted to perform the miracle. But I'm waiting on you to take that step. There's a story of an old revivalist named Smith Wigglesworth. He's one of my favorite people to read about in the early 1900s. And he was, he was getting ready to preach a revival uh, over in Europe. And as he was walking towards this, this auditorium where he was gonna preach, he heard God say to him, hey, I need you to go in that hotel over there and go up to the fifth floor and find room 573. And here's what I want you to do. When you get to that room, I want you to go down to the keyhole and I want you to yell in John 3, 16. 
And he thought to himself, that is the weirdest thing I've ever heard in my life. God, I am not gonna do that. That is ludicrous. That is insane. And here's what I know. So many times we wanna experience the miraculous. Before we ever experience the miraculous, we have to look ridiculous. Everybody wants the impossible. Nobody wants the impractical. And so Smith Wigglesworth, he can't shake it. He, he goes, okay. He, he goes over to the hotel, goes up to the fifth floor, goes to room 573, finds the keyhole, leans down and goes, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that who has ever confessed it, we shall not perish, but have eternal life. And then he runs out of the hotel as fast as he can. Because he's like, that is the dumbest thing that I've ever done. He goes and he preaches a revival that night. It's a great night. Uh, nothing miraculous happens. The next night, he goes to preach. The next night, he gets up. It's an old school service. He says, hey, does anybody have any testimonies that they want to share at the beginning of the service? And a guy all the way in the back stands up and he goes, hey, I got a testimony. Last night, I was in my hotel room. I was standing on a chair with a noose around my neck and right before I was about to knock the chair over and hang myself, I heard somebody yell into my hotel room that God loves me and I'm here to find out about this God that loved me so much that he would give his one and only son to die for me. And I'm just here to tell you that, man, if we'll do our part, God will do his part. Our miracle is on the other side of our movement. Church, let's be a church that decides this year, this is the year that we, whatever Jesus says, we are going to do it. Let's go ahead and pray. God, we thank you so much. God, that you have called us to be a people that don't just sit back and listen to your word, but God, that we would be a people of movement, that we would be a people of, uh, of, of moving forward and being obedient to whatever you said. God, that we wouldn't be looking for the possible or the practical, but we would be heeding your still small voice that as we draw near to you, God, that you, and we have an expectation that you would speak to us. And God, when we hear your words, that we would immediately obey them. God, I pray right now, maybe there's somebody that's in here today that has never begun a relationship with this God that wants to be close to you, that wants to meet you in your deepest, darkest moments and wants to heal you and change you and transform you in ways like you could never imagine. And maybe you're here and you're going, man, I don't have a relationship with a God that wants to speak to me. I'm here to let you know that there is a simple yet totally totally significant prayer that you can pray right here today to begin a relationship with God. And maybe that's you with every head bowed and every eye closed. You say, Pastor TJ, I, I, I need to begin a relationship with God or I need to come back to a relationship with God. Maybe you used to know him and you walked away and today you would say, I need to know him with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you would just slip your hand up on a count of three, I'd love to pray for you. One, two, three. Yes, one. Anybody else? Anybody else? Don't miss your moment. Two, three, thank you. Anybody else? You can go ahead and put your hands down. And if you would just pray this prayer in your heart as I prayed out, I'd say, God, thank you so much for wanting to meet me right where I am, that you love me so much that 2,000 years ago, you sent your one and only son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to live a perfect life and to die a sinner's death, the death that I deserve for all of my mistakes and all of my mess-ups. God, I'm gonna ask you to come into my heart, come into my life, take over. Change me, transform me, fill me with your love, fill me with your joy, fill me with your peace. Help me to hear your voice and be obedient to it. Thank you for changing and transforming me. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen.